You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.vin. Well, good morning. As Scott and Frey said, my name's Emma, and I'm delighted to be with you this morning. We have been going through a, a new sermon series called Last Words, where we're looking at the last words of Jesus as recorded in the book of John in the Bible. But before we look at the last words of Jesus for today, I want to tell you about the last words of Uncle Ted. Uncle Ted was my husband's uncle, and he did very well with his last words because he managed to say them at his own funeral. Uncle Ted was a pastor. And years before his death, he'd preached a sermon about Joshua's last words. And he said, if he ever got the chance to say his last words, that would be what it was. And he spoke about Joshua saying, choose today who, we, who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So he preached at his own funeral. But he also told a wee funny story, which I wanted to share with you. Um, he talked about a book that he'd read called Margaret Pow. And in the book, an old lady died. And after she passed away, everybody was anxious to know. Everybody in the community gathered around Margaret Powell and they said, what were her last words? And Margaret was a wee bit embarrassed to tell them that her last words were, is the hen hoose door shut? Now, whilst that has a bit of comedy aspect to it, there's also a deeper thought behind that. This lady wanted to know as she was dying, she wanted to know that those she was leaving behind, those she had um, cared for, her little hens, that they were going to be safe and that they were going to be looked after. And I remembered that story as I was preparing for this, um, this sermon today because the, the words we read in John 15 is a wee bit to me like Jesus saying, is the hen whose door shut? I want to know all those who are entrusted to me that I'm leaving behind are going to be kept safe. So let's read together John 15. Just to put into context, this, um, these last words of Jesus are spoken just after the Last Supper. So John 14 ends with Jesus saying something like, let's get up and leave this place. And he was talking about the upper room. And this is just before they, they go to the, the Garden of Gethsemane and where Jesus will be arrested. So that's the context of when Jesus is speaking. So John chapter 15 verses 1 to 17. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. 
If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. <clears throat> this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his father's business, his master's business, sorry. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I, that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask for in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Now you could preach a whole sermon series on this one passage and um, I've really loved reading it over the past week or so. Um, but I just, I wanted to focus on two things really. Um, we're gonna first look at the, the beautiful picture that um, Jesus paints of the vine. He says that he is the vine and we are the branches and his father is the gardener. So Jesus is the vine. The vine is strong, it has deep roots and stability. It has the ability to provide for the branches. The vine provides everything that the branches need to, to grow and to, to produce fruit. It provides all the water and the nutrients that it needs. It provides the support that the branches need. The vine is always there for the branches, day and night. It never just disappears and leaves the branches to their own devices. The branches are never left to fend for themselves because they are attached securely to the vine. That's what it's like to be attached to Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. And Jesus tells us that we are the branches. We are attached to this vine and all our growth, all our fruit bearing is dependent on the vine. The vine provides everything that we need and apart from him we can do nothing. A branch is something that comes out of a vine. It's not, it can't exist as an independent thing. We are one with the vine. The passage also tells us that the father is the gardener. Jesus tells us that his father is the one who tends to the plant. He looks after it, he prunes it to make sure that it's healthy, to make sure that it bears delicious fruit. He also tells us that the fruit is for the glory of the Father, which makes sense if you were to go to the Chelsea Flower Show or something like that. It's never the plant that receives the accolades for being beautiful or fruitful, it's the gardener. And so all our fruit is for the glory of God the Father. And that's the picture that Jesus paints for us in John 15. There are many beautiful things about this picture, but one thing that really struck me as I was reading it was the fact that we are one with Jesus. 
it's not a picture of God the Father and Jesus the Son looking down on us as branches saying, go on then, bear some fruit. He doesn't do that. He says that we are one with Jesus. And if you look over the passage, there are lots of I and you and you and me. There's lots of repetition of that. It is a partnership with Jesus that can't be broken. He is the one that we are fed by, supported by, provided for, for whilst the Father tends to us to make us the most fruitful. And as humans, I think we all have a desire to be fruitful. We all have a desire to have a purpose, to make a difference. And Jesus tells us that all this is possible by remaining in the vine. You might have noticed repetition of a certain word in this passage. Between the verses 4 and 10, Jesus uses the word remain 11 times. Now, when there's repetition in the Bible, usually it's an indication for us to kind of sit up and pay attention, to lean in a bit closer, to say, what is Jesus saying here? And repetition 11 times to me is quite serious repetition. In the previous chapter, Jesus has told his disciples that he's going to be going and leaving them. He's also told them that he's going to send the Holy Spirit who will be with them. So it might have been a wee bit for, uh, confusing for the disciples to hear this remain in me when they've already heard Jesus is going to leave them. But he was talking about remaining in me by the Holy Spirit. Just as a branch remains in the vine, <coughs> the key to being fruitful and living a life of purpose is remaining in Jesus. He also tells us a bit of a warning and the consequences of not remaining in the vine. Verse 4 says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Apart from me, you can do nothing, says verse 5. Verse 6 says, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. In other words, it's useless. And nobody wants to be a dead, useless branch. But the repetition of the word remain shows that Jesus was so serious about this. It comes back to, is the hen whose door shut? He wants his disciples to be safe and secure with him. So he's, he's almost pleading with them, remain. If we remain plugged into the source of Jesus, that's where there's life and goodness and fruitfulness. That's where there's purpose and healing and love and security. I wonder if he uses the word remain 11 times because at this point, 11 disciples remain. John 13 tells us that Judas at that point had left, left the group to betray Jesus. What was a group of 12 was now a group of 11. And I can almost picture Jesus in this passage, taking each of the disciples' faces in his hands and pleading with them, looking into their eyes and saying, remain in me, because he knows what's best for them. He knows that there's going to be terrible times coming. He knows that there's going to be persecution. He knows there's going to be dark days ahead. And he also knows that he wants them to be fruitful. He wants the church to expand. And these are the people that he's put his trust in. I wonder if he took Peter's face and looked him in the eye and said, Peter, you are going to deny me three times. You're going to feel totally dreadful about it, but I want you to remain in me because you and I together, 
are going to be so fruitful for the church. Remain in me. To James, would he look him in the eye, knowing that James was going to be beheaded by Herod? Would he take his face in his hands and say, Remain in me, James. I will sustain you in your darkest hour. To John, would he look him in the eye, knowing that John was going to be imprisoned on an island? He was going to have some dark days ahead. Would Jesus look at him in the eye and say, Remain in me, John. You're going to th go through some tough times, but I'm going to reveal things to you that are mind-blowing, and together we're going to write this cool book called Revelation. To, Peter, to Philip, would he look him in the eye and say, Remain in me, Philip. You are the one that's going to take the gospel to Africa, and you're going to do some cool teleporting in the meantime. Remain in me. You're going to be fruitful. Jesus wants his disciples to be safe and secure in his relationship with them. I wonder what Jesus would be saying to you today. Jesus knows what you're going through. And he wants to hold your face and look in your eyes and say, remain in me. I will be all that you need. What is your response to Jesus? I think like Uncle Ted, if I had my chance to say my last words. In fact, you can use this. This is on YouTube. Whoever is doing my funeral, there you go. There's a wee gift from me. I would say, remain in Jesus. Because I know in my life, there have been times where I haven't remained in Jesus. And they are the times that I regret. They're the times that I look back and I see that was meaningless. There was no fruit there for the kingdom of God. And so if I was given the chance to say my last words, I'd gather my loved ones around me and I'd say, remain in Jesus. He is the way, the truth and the life. He is the one who will sustain you. But how do we remain in Jesus? When, when a branch grows out of the vine, it does so because the vine is his source. And so we need to make Jesus our source a wee while ago, I was given um, plants by a friend who was moving country and she couldn't take her plants with her, so she asked if I could take some of her plants. And I said, yes, of course. I'm not terrible at looking after house plants. I'm not brilliant, but I usually manage to keep them alive. And so she gave me, one of the plants was a spider plant and it was in a ceramic pot on a wee saucer thing. And I had a, a nice copper pot on my window ledge in my kitchen and I thought, I'll put the, the ceramic pot inside the copper pot and that'll be a nice position perfect sunlight conditions for the spider plant but over time this poor spider plant the vibrant green color managed to just get it diminished it looked much paler green then it started to look a bit withered it wasn't looking healthy at all now i was just watering this plant along with um, my other house plants, feeding it from the roots as you shoot with plants. So I was pouring, it, pouring water into the copper pot, but the plant was still withering. So I gave it some plant food, it was still withering. I had some extra super duper seaweed feed that was good for one of my other plants. So I'd given it some of the seaweed um, feed. Again, this plant just looked so poorly and I thought, what is going on? 
So I took, I am quite small, I took the plant down from the window ledge just to give myself a wee bit of kudos here. I had been watering it like this, pouring the, the water into the pot. I took the pot down from the window ledge and I noticed that there was still some of the feed in the bottom of the pot and I thought that's really strange, that should have been absorbed by the plant. I cannot tell you how ridiculously stupid I felt when I realised that the pot I had been given the plant in had a sealed bottom. It didn't have a hole in it, so all the watering, all the feeding, all that I'd done to sustain and grow this plant was useless because it hadn't got to the source. And my point is, we can do lots of great things in life. We can eat a healthy diet, we can exercise, we can give to charity, we can go shopping for our elderly neighbour. However, if we're doing these things and Jesus isn't our source, then it's fruitless for the kingdom of God. So how do we make Jesus our source? Well, it's not rocket science and nothing I'm going to share here is going to be mind-blowing for you, especially if you've been around church for a while. But we need to take responsibility a little bit for our own discipleship. Coming to church on Sunday or watching Catholic Live is brilliant, but we need to be feeding off the vine ourselves. And I've, I've called this, this talk um, Jesus and the Plant-Based Diet because we need to be feeding off the vine. He needs to be our source. <clears throat> so number one in the Plant-Based Diet is reading the Bible. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That is the Bible. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Everything they do prospers. So again, it's going back to prospering and being fruitful by reading the word of the Lord. Jesus feeds us and speaks to us when we read his word. Just as we need physical food, we need spiritual food too. And the number one thing I can share with you about remaining in the vine is reading the Bible. Now you might be in the habit of reading your Bible every day and, for, and that is just brilliant. You might be in the habit of just reading your Bible whenever you come to church or watch Catholic Live. Um, that is also great, but to be growing in our relationship with God, the best thing we can do is read the Bible regularly. And I want to say to you, it's not easy, and you might pick up a Bible and think, where do I start? It's a big book, I don't know what to do. If you're thinking that, then I would encourage you to go to the Gospels. The Bible is split into the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Gospels are at the start of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Why don't you just start by reading them? You can just read a little bit each day. Or if you want to set the bar really low, why don't you download the app YouVersion on your, on your phone? And every day that gives you, you can read lots of chunks of the Bible on that, but every day it gives you a verse for the day. Why don't you make it your habit? to start by reading the verse of the day. Ask God to speak to you through it. And you might want to read the next verse or the next verse. I pray that you will grow in your hunger for reading God's word. Um, I cannot tell you how brilliant God's word is. 
the Bible says of itself, it says that it is sharper than a double-edged sword, it says that it's living and active, it says that it's useful for teaching us and training us and rebuking us, it encourages us, it guides us, it shows us God's love for us. So please, can I encourage you to read the Bible. Number two in the plant-based diet is praying. Praying is simply speaking to God. And if you're not in the habit of praying, you might want to just imagine that Jesus is sitting in the chair next to you. You can tell Jesus how you feel. You can tell Jesus um, what's going on in your life, although he already knows that, but he loves to hear you talk to him. You can ask him for things. And verse 7 in John 15 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, I don't think this verse is saying that I wish for a holiday in the Bahamas and I'm going to get it, but rather that when our hearts are aligned with Jesus, when Jesus is our source, our prayers are directly in line with God's will. Again, keep the bar low. And if you're not used to praying, why don't you just think every day I'm going to say one thing to God. It can just be one sentence. Jesus, I'm feeling sad today. Would you help me to feel your love? Before you know it, you might find yourself talking to God several times a day. It might become a longer conversation. Listen out to what God is saying to you in response. Number three in the plant-based diet is worship. Singing songs of praise to God is a way that we can express our love for God, our trust for him. Um, it's a way we can surrender our lives to him. It also gives us perspective on our own situation and it's a helpful way of recognising that God is God and that we are not. Sing in the shower, sing on your commute to work, sing when you're walking the dog, sing when you're in your bed. Make worship a part of your daily routine and recognise Jesus as your source. Number four in the plant-based diet is silence and solitude. Now, this is something I've been doing for the last few months. We started it in our Connect group. And um, I'm going to be honest, we all found it pretty difficult. Um, but I found it really helpful, actually, in just spending time in silence with God. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. In a world where everyone and everything is so busy, it's important to spend time slowing down and being with Jesus. He makes me lie down. He refreshes my soul. Why don't you take a couple of minutes, a couple of minutes each day just to spend quietly in God's presence? I found it a great way of doing two things. One thing, surrendering to God. So sometimes I'll come to my time of silence and I'll just say, Lord, I surrender my day to you and I'll just leave a moment's silence. Another thing I found it helpful for is saying to Jesus, let me receive your love for me today and just resting in that silence with the Lord. Verse 9 says, as my father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
now remain in my love. If you sit with this verse for a moment, it is mind-blowing. As the Father has loved Jesus, so Jesus loves you. The as in verse 9 in Greek means both the standard and the source. So the way that Jesus loves you is the same way that the Father loved Jesus, the same amount, the same source, the same way. It's amazing. And if you're struggling to feel loved by God, please can I encourage you to sit with that verse. Just sit with it for a while and let the love of Jesus, let the love that Jesus has for you sink into your heart. It's an outrageously mind-blowing love. Everybody watching this is mind-blowingly loved by Jesus. The last thing I want to talk about in the plant-based diet is giving. Luke 14, uh, sorry, Luke 12, 34 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. By making Jesus our source, we're acknowledging that everything that we have comes from him. And in recognition of that, the Bible teaches us to give back the first fruits, in keeping with fine terminology, of our earnings. If you're not in the habit of regularly giving to church, I would encourage you to do so. It can be difficult, but it's also what God asks us to do. It involves recognizing that God has given us all that we have, and it involves us trusting God to provide for our needs, as in faith we give to the work of the Lord. Now, these are just five disciplines that I have picked out today to make Jesus your source. There are many more, fasting, Sabbath, hospitality, community. You might be thinking, well, I do all these things, Emma, and more. I spend several hours a day reading the Bible and praying and worshiping and sitting in silence and give, giving all my money to the poor. Well, good for you. Well done. You must be an extremely strong branch coming out of that vine. But what I would say to you is have a look around you because Although you may be a strong branch coming out of the vine, not everybody is a strong branch. There are branches that are just baby shoots that have just begun their walk with Jesus. There are branches that have been around the block a bit, that, have, that are a bit twisted and knotted, that have had terrible things happen in their life, and they need you to come alongside them. There are branches that are currently being pruned, and they might be thinking, I don't know if I can bear this anymore. Why don't you come alongside them? There are branches that might just be hanging by a thread thinking, is this worth it? Why don't you, as a strong branch, take your experience with Jesus and your walk with the Lord and come alongside them and encourage them? Last weekend, my husband and I went for a walk um, to a place called Paradise Woods in Aberdeenshire. We'd never been there before, but we'd heard it was a nice walk. We'd also heard that there were no um, signposts or anything. So before we went, I had looked it up on the internet and I found um, that somebody had kindly uploaded a, a lovely document that gave directions with helpful pictures of people with waypoints like this. Um, and each point we got to, if we weren't sure where we would go, we would look at the directions that these people had written. They were always spot on and it was really helpful. So we were following their directions. We enjoyed our lovely walk by the river. 
And then we came to a point where the directions didn't really make sense. It said, with the river on your right, there you'll find a road that bends down to the left. But at this point, continue straight onto the forest. So I was looking at this on my phone, I was reading it, and I was thinking, okay, the river's on our right, I can see this road, it's bending around to the left, but straight ahead isn't going into a forest. And I was reading it again, thinking, have we gone wrong somewhere? And my husband was just ahead of me, because uh, I can't walk and read at the same time, so I had stopped, obviously. And he said, but um, this used to be a forest. And as we looked, there were a couple of fallen trees in front of us. And as we clambered over those, what we saw in front of us was a wide open space that used to be a forest, but had been decimated by Storm Arwen. All the trees had fallen down and nobody had bothered to clear them. They were all still lying there. So what used to be a forest was just a graveyard of fallen trees. And I was wondering today, do you feel a wee bit like a fallen tree? Are you thinking, you know, I used to have a strong relationship with Jesus, but I don't feel that connection anymore. And the verse in Matthew 12 popped into my head. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. And can I encourage you, if you feel like one of those fallen trees who doesn't really have much connection to the vine anymore. Can I encourage you to come back to Jesus today? The beauty of a relationship with Jesus is that all you need to do is ask him into your life. Or perhaps you're watching this and you're thinking, well, I've never had a relationship with Jesus. I've never been a branch, but I'd like to be. Again, all you need to do is come to Jesus and accept the free gift that he gives you. And we'll, the hosts will give a chance for you to do that later on this morning. Jesus will never let you go. Verse 4 says, remain in me and I remain in you. Now the second part of the passage brings a bit more repetition. And I'm not going to have time to go hugely into it today. I'm sorry about that. You'll have to read it for yourself. But in verse 12 and verse 17, there's another thing that Jesus says twice that we need to sit up and pay attention to. Jesus says, this is my command, love one another. And it is as it says, love one another. We're not solitary branches. We are a vineyard. And I don't mean that just in the name of our church, but in our worldwide, in the worldwide church of, of the Lord, we are all a, a big vineyard. And as I said earlier, branches come in all shapes and sizes. There are branches that you will find annoying. There are branches that you won't agree with. There are branches you find difficult. Branches who've got different walks of life than you have got. But the command from Jesus, and it is a command, it says, this is my command. It's not a suggestion. Love one another. Jesus was asked um, at some point, how to, what was the greatest commandment? And he summed it up by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And to me, John 15 encapsulates this. Love God and love others. 
Loving others flows out of our love for God. However, follow it must. Someone once said, theology without love is simply very bad theology. Jesus freely gives us his love and we must freely give our love to others. I've completely run out of time today, but let's be people who are rooted intentionally in Jesus, in the vine, and people who intentionally love others well. I hope that's encouraged you today.